their hideous captors. Let's go on. Oh, is it recording? All right. Mm -hmm. Eventful day for the MIA yesterday. Boots were on the ground in multiple locations. I experienced a energetic healing device known as a Healy. I was initially informed that it was developed by a Buddhist monk and a German quantum physicist. This was later revealed to be false after doing some research later. That's right. We're fact checkers. I'm fact checking you right now. I can't even hear you, but already the internal machinations are determining the reality of you. If you lie too much, you simply cease to exist. So this Healy, I wish, I'm not going to bring up a picture to show to the camera, but it's like a little, um, a little box, maybe half the size of this, like half an iPhone. And you put it in the palm of your hand and it Bluetooths to an app. And it reads your chakras, your chakra frequencies. And then... How do you hold it? Where do you put it? They're just in the palm of your hand. It's like, it doesn't really matter. Um, okay. And then Isn't it, one of the, like, the aura pictures, the thing that it's like different colors around the body at different places? Well, they, they claim to be able to read the frequencies of each chakra to determine if they're um, clear or not. And it gives you then like a little, a little colorful profile on the app. It doesn't have a screen. It has to connect to an app. So already this is sus. Like I don't, if it's going to, if it's going to read frequencies, you bet it better be able to do it on its own. Like if I made this device, if I were doing this, I'd have there be like lights for each chakra. And -hmm. if it was doing bad, it would be dim and the good ones would be bright. Like, duh, it's that easy, but it doesn't work. So that's the problem. And the the online thing is like, oh, early childhood trauma has made your throat chakra um, glow red. Jesus but Christ. you do it a minute later, and it has it totally different. different. And they they're and and the people who who sell it because this is important. It's a, it's a product. It's not, it's not like, oh, it's not a curiosity. It's not a novelty. It's, a, it's like a, a very important product to the people who have it. And they're like, oh, sometimes it doesn't have any relation. Oh, it's just past lives. It's past life chakras. It's like, okay, all right. It, this is the thing that I realized yesterday because, you know, I love all this stuff. I mean, this is literally my bread and butter is like, bizarre overlaps of technology and spirituality but my god i think the real missing piece for most of this stuff most modern spirituality is the sword the analytic ability the the critical thinking is just non-existent and people mistake bullshit for spirituality as a rule not with me, though. 
if you <laughs> if you watch meme analysis, you're honestly better prepared for like the vast majority of spiritual bullshit because I'm pretty I stick pretty much only to things that are legit. Um but my goodness, there it, it it's amazing what people want to believe. Healy's cost $1,000. I got two two great ideas here. The first is the way these business models work is you find some people, some devoted, uh, you know, suckers, and you're like, do you want to make $600 a commission? Do you want to make $700 a commission? And you know it doesn't work. And I've seen this with... Um, this is not not a not a fun topic for a lot of people, but solar panels. Solar panels are something that are going to change the world. It's another Elon Musk like kind of back end project of you know by twenty twenty everything will be electric and people will just get zapped through his Midas hand. Um, but solar panel hucksters is that the word like tricksters like they're they're out and they're smoozing you. They show up while you're mowing your lawn and they're like. Hey, you're looking good, Mr. Johnson. And you're like, how the fuck do you know my name? And he's like, and he's like rubbing your shoulders. And all of a sudden he's telling you like, you could be making a hundred dollars per month on your electric bill. Just sign this thing. And it's like, you're buying like a hundred thousand dollar solar panel plan. You're like buying another house or a renovation on your house, but it's for 30 years. So there's like compound interest and you're just like, ah, oh, it's okay. It's going to get paid off because this technology will definitely work all this time. And the kicker is that, the people who are like happy, truly happy are the ones who are actually like made the tech take just like a fat 20% and just chill. And they're just like, we're going to set up the most amazing sales commission program. And that's realistically like how, you know, another one's like young living uh, essential oil companies work where, you know, once they have the product, they can make massive margins, which incentivize like uh, charismatic storytellers who will then go door to door and tell the story however it needs to be told to sell more. And, uh, you know, that's how we do our Healy. But the second thing was um, that freaking, uh, that story, that like quantum physicist and Buddhist monk, that is like Aldous Huxley core East West, that like recurring, um, that is like the, the center idea, the centrifuge of new age where it's like Stephen Hawking, and the Dalai Lama came together and they decided we need a podcast that captures internet culture in a new lens that's ironic and mean. And we're going to call it Meme Intelligence Agency and you have to get the Patreon <laughs> or else. They, we are tulpas created by Stephen Hawking and the Dalai Lama. But here, here is the insight on all of this and how it works. So I am very interested in madness in general, in viral madness. And so you have really, really big delusions, popular delusions that will afflict like vast amounts of a population, like over half, um, many of which are occurring right now and have been occurring over the past few years. Um, and now I, I'm, I'm always looking, I will generally only be friends with people who um, don't fall for the dominant delusion. But what you find 
is that the very thing that made these people invulnerable to a popular delusion makes them vulnerable to an obscure delusion. So, it's like, uh, in a way, it's a, like a, a vaccine of delusions. You're yes. getting a little micro delusion so you can be <laughs> immune to <laughs> The problem is when the, the micro delusion um, often, you know, leads to maybe like myocarditis or heart problems and like the person is unable to function normally at some they're, level. They're suddenly watching copious amounts of internet porn or mm. playing um, perhaps a little, a little league of legends mm. or uh, I, I wonder. I wonder why they don't want to believe in the mass delusion. At home, it's so nice, but <clears throat> I think Thelema is the embodiment of not falling for either, because it's the sword. The sword is the most important magical weapon in this case. I think in spirituality, it's the most important weapon because it's the analytic ability. The suit of swords is the suit of thought. And, and this has been the problem with spirituality for at least 2,000 years. Um, you know, with Tertullian, the Christian theologian, his, like one of his great um, lines is the credo qua absurdum. I believe it because it is absurd. You know, I believe Christ died and was resurrected because it's impossible. And because he was a philosopher, he was a pagan, he was a great thinker, a scholar. And so to become a Christian, he sacrifices his analytic ability. He sacrifices his thinking, his sword. And this is like a prerequisite for modern spirituality. So you have people who, and the most, the most of the people, they just don't have swords, or their swords are like totally blunt. Um, they have no idea how to think in the first place, so they just fall into bullshit naturally. And then you have people who sacrifice the sword, like something terrible happens. There's generally a vector point for these smaller madnesses, with like personal traumas or even um, physical traumas where they they'll sacrifice they'll sacrifice the sword they'll say you know this is not working life is not what i want i need something new i need a new belief and so they'll sacrifice everything for this new hope this new potential it's very bad it's a very it's and how to how do you deny both how do you retain your weapons in the face of the horror of it all here, here is my, my proposal, which is uh, I, I propose we return to a more community-centric cult model in which a leader is enlisting people to wield the sword on behalf of the belief. Because more often than not, you know, the reason to give up a sword, I, I can think of so many, but I think of... Um, I, I think of, um, you know, I, I myself, am a, I, I think constantly. I have uh, my throat chakra is, is glowing red and I must speak my thoughts constantly, incessantly. I have thousands of podcasts with different names that I'm recording each each given day. But I, I know a common thing is like, ah, just stop overthinking. Just don't don't think about it too much. And there's a million reasons not to. And 
I, uh, I believe like proximity to whatever it is you give the sword up to is huge because lots of times we'll read about L Ron Hubbard online and be like, ah, this is, this is really cool. And, um, just give up the sword before you even really know what it's about. But if we were to think of things as a, I'm being handed a, a tarot deck here. Uh, if we were to think of things as being a, uh, you know, go fight on behalf of something. We need a balkanized U.S. full of a thousand micro cults, all of which will actively war in, uh, in, in games across the states. That is my proposal, Mr. Teal. Hear me out. Babylon wages war on Babylon. It's all one cult. That's the secret. Um, that is the essence of my the part of my website on conspiracy and the new religions is that it's all just one thing you know they might pick one temple but it's just one religion it's just one form of belief and it's amazing how how it sticks cuz i like i talk to a lot of people i talk to a lot of like in person people and when i hear the conspiracies i can distinguish like oh this is which, you know, this is which, um, yesterday I talked to, I had two, I had one who had Torian conspiracies of the body and one who had, um, Scorpio conspiracies of hidden, uh, hidden bad things. One was talking about seed oils. The other was talking about parasites. <laughs> Um, oh man, I'm thinking about, uh, I think about, I've, I've talked about this on these podcasts like hundreds of times, but like Gen Z consultants. And as I have gone farther into the, the working man's world, I've encountered so many and you, you know, there's a vindication for anyone who's listened to older MIA podcasts and heard me rant about the Gen Z consultant drift. It is, it is completely and utter, utterly true. But on top of all of that, there are now, we, they're often memed, but it's like the conspiracy expert. It's like, you know, that, that pyramid where it's like the top of the pyramid beyond the pale conspiracies. It's like believing birds aren't real or it's like this just very odd grouping and it's, it's very unclear what is to be believed and what isn't. And it's like the Iran-Contra affairs like in the middle of it. And it's like, well, isn't that like admitted to? But those types of conspiracy experts who get to go on you know a slew of different shows i feel like that's that's how we need to brand um a certain flavor of meme analysis mm. is you are uh you will talk it's like dr phil where it's like someone comes on and it's like my son he won't stop collecting milk jugs and talking about his life essence and how bell delphine is stealing it from him chris how can how can we get help you know, there. That's Doctor Phil. I, I will be Doctor Filth, and I'll keep my world in a leather cup and castrate my patients. Um, but this is the idea that you just gave me. I don't know why. Just hearing about these Gen Z consultants and the potential for conspiracy ones, I was thinking like, you'll you'll be able to distinguish an expert, a true expert. Um, it'll be like Dune. Because they will have scars from Morgellons uh, scratching. Like they will have infected themselves with every delusion to be fully immune to it. So they'll just be covered, 
covered in scars. And that's how you'll be able to tell, like, this person's the real deal. If they're not still scratching. If they're still scratching, mm-hmm. they still have, like, a, they still have to finish the program. I like that idea. That is a, a, a demarcation of being a true MIA Patreon subscriber, <laughs> is if you're covered in scars and whether or not you're still scratching. Ideally, it's like a graduate program where you listen to it long enough and you no longer scratch. But uh, definitely uh, lots of internet war-torn victims. I think that is like why the the through line of like the whole wet brain kind of new podcast like Red Scare associated acts is this like neo neo. Um, it's not just Christianity. There's a lot of I would call it Abrahamic religions or like a resubscription to monotheism and like old kind of like very powerful uh, one, you know, blah, 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 one true God um, aesthetics. And that feels like just like the perfect way to kind of counterbalance basically being like that they all like gather all these weird accoutrements of like post Tumblr era or um, just all this like random, like you get like fucking someone like Soph posting about like pop smoke and loving God. And it's just like these weird memes where it's like, this wasn't even a meme for a little bit. These are just like random ass things that you fixated on because of basically just being bombarded with shit uh, constantly. And uh, you You know, know, I think a lot of it was hyperstitioned by lane. And I think a lot of them watched and watch lane. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I might, misphrased a line but it's like you know there is only one there's only one true god there's only one god of the wired um that is a really really significant concept because i I think in some ways that was something i struggled with on the first viewing of lane is like why is this just a christianity story why is this just a retelling of the bible online but it's obvious, like this is clearly what the Aeon will experience first. The Aeon will not experience this Aquarian tech as new. It'll first experience it as old. And the only thing like all right, this is a really big this is a really big thing. And I'm this is not I'm not not exactly giving away because even just set talking about it probably won't be enough to understand this concept, but I'm going to try. So with my myth of the internet, the only thing, the only precedent for the internet in all human thought is God, is the one God. The internet is the only thing that comes close to the one God, or rather the one God is the only thing that comes close to the internet. And this is within the myth because if you if you read well if you know your symbols if you've studied the book of thoth you know what four creatures are you know what four means and the four primary demons of my myth are this i won't say more than that but come on four living creatures um but it's not surprising that they end up as Christians when faced with the internet. I would not be surprised if this became more common 
as things like that got popular. But also, no, no, no shame. It's not their fault. But wet brain is like the most annoying thing I've ever fucking heard in my life. Do you listen to it? Like five minutes. Yeah, I've I've never listened to a full. Well, no, I listened to the one where they had uh, RX Poppy on some like random New York conspiracy rapper, and I thought that was kind of funny. It was just so. It was like it's just such a weird like uh, faltering like uh, it was chopped as they like to say it was a very chopped interview, but yeah no, I like the wet brain updates page I think mm-hmm. whoever's they're taking a note from the MIA thank uh, you for the repost <laughs> thank you for the repost um, I like to think the the MIA has had a massive impact on on Instagram meme culture. That uh, style yeah, of being just, fucking like, annoying and reposting yes. horrid, horrid things. This is it's an <laughs> internet star generator. It's like a room full. It's a knife ladder. There is no ladder. There is no. Uh, there is no the perfect success. Just the knife ladder. You're just climbing indefinitely on the knife ladder when you're on that page, deeper and deeper, exploring the realms of pain and pleasure, the limits. Here's something I think we should we should mention. You know, for those of you, for those stragglers, those stragglers out there who are listening to MIA, but you were not convinced by the last episode to join the Patreon. <laughs> thank you for the many who did. There, you will be greatly rewarded. There are amazing things that are coming. Like within a half hour, we'll be we'll be making secret content. If you if you subscribe to the Patreon. You are going to gain insights not only into our ideas about the world, but rather how we have done shit. You will gain access to machinations. Perhaps you could be involved in some machinations. So if you want to do more than just listen to a podcast, you want to be a goon. Consider, consider unsubscribing from, or, or rather, no longer being a patron of, of Markiplier, of Big Joel. Leave them in the past. Join the MIA. This, this episode is sponsored by Gooning. Gooning, become an MIA goon, the lowest tier in the MIA Patreon. Uh, <laughs> what's what's happened recently in in any sort of culture? I know um, I've heard from a couple of people that I wouldn't have expected to hear from that uh, hip hop music is dead. I think that's that's a fun hot take. It's just uh, you know Kanye and uh, Drake cemented the death of hip hop. Mm. There's just generally a massive cultural exhaustion about everything. Like those year and rewind things, pretty much. They I, actually, I heard this from someone, and I thought it was really funny. But they do those like YouTube rewinds, or like Google rewind, or search history rewind. And throughout the pandemic, all it was was just like, I need mental health experts, or like I need help, and that's all that there was. It's not like Justin Bieber nip slip. It's it's now the cultural happenings are just people being like, this is making me sick. Please, I don't suffering. want to be here anymore. Here. Here is my thought on music that I've had for a bit. I was at I was at a I got sick and then I got well and then I hung around this. 
when I was there with some friends and they were playing, uh, the restaurant was playing Break Stuff by Limp Biscuit, And we were loudly singing along and they were greatly amused by this. People are taking videos and things. This is how sad. This is how sad it is. Nobody, nobody is gooning in public anymore. It's it's so it's so rare that you'll get fucking videos taken. But we just started requesting garbage. Like we had really really awful pop music played, and they were playing it because we were like really really into it. It was wonderful. And in the midst of this, I was I was thinking about what makes pop music. What makes what's the easiest way to get a pop song popular? And I think what it comes down to, one of the things, and this is what kills music, is just naming people and things. Like, it's the illusions. It's, it's got to yes. be like uh, all of hip-hop. I, I, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the pod, but as a young, strapping um, teen boy and in the midst of uh, SoundCloud rap, I created like a formula where it was like an auto-generator of any line. And it was basically like a mimetic breakdown of like, what is the concept of each line? Or how, how do you like mix and how do you make a song? How could you write a song? And I think it was like, it was money, drugs, um, uh, like sex, violence and or allusion to another rapper. And those five things, I've told this story actually once before, because I went and then took uh, in university a hip hop class which you, you can imagine uh, it, it was actually a, you know, I got to meet a bunch of um, I got to meet people from NWA and Wyclef Sean. But in that class, there was a scholar in the nineties who wrote about basically that and was like, Hey, when kind of capital takes hold of hip hop, these are the four archetypes inside of gangster rap or bling rap or kind of everything that evolved throughout the two thousands. But um, it was kind of mind blowing because it was like Jesus Christ, like uh, cultural theorists are, are just always right, like twenty years ahead of time. And honestly, it was like thirty years ahead of time. But me being a you know a seventeen, eighteen year old with a fucking like looking at genius lyrics, being like, oh my god, all of them are the exact same. And the only way you make a song is it's literally like meme meme mixing, where you're just like the first line needs to reference Little Yachty, then the second line needs to be like. I'm balling like blank and blank basketball player. And it's just like hodgepodge of just like popular thing. Look, this is contemporary. Um, sewing yourself into the fabric. The problem with this all is that anybody, anybody who wants to be a musician can just say, oh, I'll do that. Because that formula exists, they can just say, oh, I'm going to do that. And I think this became the most sickeningly apparent with grunge. Grunge, I think, had the quickest, it was like compounding shit. Like it started out so good and it was such like a, a powerful um, genre. And like immediately, like within a year or two, just everybody was copying it and doing it horribly because they figured out the formula quicker than ever. And it literally killed rock and roll. Like that was how rock died um, with people trying to do grunge. And so it's not surprising that it happened to hip hop. And it will happen again and again until there is a true spark of inspiration again. Um, because so long as 
capital rules culture with this philosophy of, oh, I'll just do that. It will, and this is like, I don't know if, I think I might have talked about this like years ago, like two years ago, but the, the most important thing for an artist to grasp is the bow. The inspirations, you need to have inspirations far in the past and you need to have aims that are far in the future so that when you draw your bow, you are aiming high and drawing it back as far as possible. Because what happens when it's like compounding bullshit of, oh, I can do that. You barely pull, pull the bow back and you're aiming at the ground. Sometimes you're even aiming behind you. And it prevents any actual development or progress of art. It, it's just like, and this is what I find, unfortunately, with a lot of um, cartooning. Because I'm like, I love animation. I think animation is like a really great art. But what happened is that instead of, because I think silent films are some of the highest films ever made. And they were that because they had no um, awareness of what film was. There was no concept of movie. They were just making stuff. And the goal, like they wanted to make art that was great. So they had operas, they had all of the history of theater um, to, to draw the film, to draw it back, all visual art, all painting and so on. And so soon as the movie formula existed, it, it just became complete garbage. And now it's very rare to have good filmmakers, whereas it was almost everybody trying to make movies in the very beginning made interesting, good stuff. What happened with cartooning is that you all the cartoonists um, who are on networks today, if you ask them like, oh, what are you inspired by? They like Miyazaki and they like uh, some older cartoons, like 90s cartoons. Mr. Crumb. No, Mr. Crumb. <laughs> no, there's no Crumb. There's no Crumb. But the problem with this is like, and it's not a problem because Miyazaki is excellent. Miyazaki is a great artist. But he is not trying to be he's, – he's taking from Disney, but he's not trying to just be like Disney. He's taking from all of the cultural history of the West in particular. Like he's interested in the West a lot. Um, so the people, they want to be like Miyazaki by trying to be like Miyazaki, not by trying to gain inspiration from the things that inspired Miyazaki. So they're impotent. Their bows don't draw back far enough to actually make anything of value. Their bows are like Miyazaki food. They're <laughs> squishy and ineffective, but fun to hold and look at. Um, oh, man. I'm thinking about uh, someone brought up Crumb. I was at some, like, in a completely, like, unanticipated setting. Someone brought up that... Um, Actually, it was, it was like film people I, I met in Los Angeles who were talking about how good that documentary was. I fucking love that but, documentary um, so much. And I think you're right. I think, um, honestly, I have encountered a lot of... Uh, I'm currently uh, on the West Coast for MIA listeners who don't see video. There's like a palm tree in the background. But I've been talking a lot about music and talking with a lot of musicians and... Uh, 
been really fascinated about the concept of like successful artists and what distinguishes people who will be there for, you know, six months, three months, whenever the popular song is popular versus someone who is like making a wave or pulling from something older and pushing forward and inspiring others. And um, even beyond that, I, I think a lot about, um, this has been something I've, I've thought about like profusely over the past two days, but it's a distinguishment between uh, individual contributors and someone who can lead a team and someone who is like individually hyper successful and very like an artist who is just like alone, the, the golden touch, they can make it all happen. They are like everyone constantly regards them as talented and the best and like they make magic versus someone who can like assemble a group and expand beyond their own reach. And if I was, um, you know, say I was a part of a nefarious organization that was looking to control and influence culture in some way, I wouldn't care that much about individual contributors. I know they can have the biggest impacts, especially if they are a Miyazaki or a Bowie or a, someone who can reach and fire a bow like across, like a flaming arrow across an entire fucking Aeon. Uh, those types of people, you can do a lot. Uh in terms of social engineering, I love people who are into social engineering. It's like the worst types of like tech bros who got money from a, a startup and end up being like going to these conventions where it's just like, how do I convince people to sleep with me? Or how do I convince people to like me? Um, but social engineering is like the premise of just like, if you walk into a room with a red hat, everyone will start to think you're passionate. If you if you stand by the door with your legs crossed and hopping up and down, people are going to think you're weird. Um, you know, social engineering around an individual contributor who is hyper talented, you can kind of like, um, you can push, you can traumatize them in a way and push them into like craziness or just make them kind of ineffective or just aimed at the completely wrong thing. Whereas someone who can assemble a team of people and like actively like, you know, I, I think Kendrick Lamar, I, I wouldn't put in hip hop. If there's someone who's going to make it through as an artist, like what he's particularly known for doing extremely well is like his albums are orchestral in the sense that he brings together the best of the best of like string players and, and different lyricists and people, but people who can assemble and lead. Cause that's, that's very difficult that is far more dangerous than the individual contributor. I wonder if, uh, I, I, I don't know if we should take the bow analogy any further, but I'm curious, like, do you, do you think Miyazaki falls into the, the team leader category? Cause I feel like to do a film like that, you have to pretty much, it, it's not just him. Well, and so this is the thing. I think the truth, the truth is that you can't do anything to an individual and many artists in their pride want to be individuals but they don't realize how cruel the world is like it the world is not if you you want to be an individual wonderful you know if you're not capable it will never you'll just you'll fuck up you nobody will ever care um miyazaki it's difficult because all filmmakers to an extent have to be leaders. He, I mean, filmmakers do both really like filmmakers have to be both because simultaneously they have to be capable of leading a group of people and making something great, but, and utilizing all of the greatness of their 
team, but simultaneously provide such a clarity of vision that is not going to be altered by the components working on it. So in many ways, all art is a balancing of those two abilities, depending on the size of the art. Like, it's very difficult. And I won't even pretend, like, when I made movies a lot, I did it, I was the sole crew. Like, it was just me and whoever was acting. Because that is, it's much easier to direct actors because that they know that's what they're there to do. There's not nearly as much of a creative push coming that would come from an assistant director, that would come from a producer, an editor. Like, I did it all. Um, or directing a play and so on. Like, I have not even begun to reckon with this. I have really only functioned as an individual in the production of my art, other than when I do a duo. And duos are extremely difficult as well. You know, we work together very well, but I've worked with people who it's like pulling teeth. It's very difficult. But what I actually found in my most recent collaboration was that, which was actually the editing of the book, we did it, My this, this partner and I, we did it when, and this was not intentional, but it worked because of the stars. It worked because the process of editing was done while Mercury was in Scorpio and while the sun was in Scorpio. And it was just like a profoundly um, synchronistic timing for this. So I think that, and it sounds ridiculous, but oh, this is something to talk about briefly. Um, I mean, the, JP Morgan's watch was in the news and it was talking like it reads the Zodiac, reads the moon, of course, the uh, equinoxes. And it's like, huh, I wonder why would he care about that, right? That doesn't matter. None of that's real. What he was probably like an early Redditor. He would do it just to LOL and troll <laughs> people and be like, these these faux spiritual people. <laughs> it totally didn't like help him um, become super wealthy. That That's crazy. But that's what it comes down to is like, how how good are you at getting other people to enact your vision. That That is the distinguishing factor, I think, in my mind of like, an artist can be, like a leader or artist, um, can be really difficult to work with, but the measure of like what actually comes out of it, because honestly, like the teeth pulling can be very productive. Like it can be excruciating as long as the product ends up working. I think um, you often know something won't work when it's just not, getting done and uh beyond that even like I, what what made me think of that in, individual contributor versus the other thing is like someone like bobby fisher um was uh basically like the pinnacle like to me i i don't know this this is a searing hot take but he, he is an artist in a sense he is like uh that good at chess that he was able to basically turn his like dominance into like a, a piece of art that could then be turned into propaganda for the entire world. It's like the storming out that I'm not going to play in front of cameras, the just insanity. And um, 
someone like him to me is it's easy to push them down the path he ended up in because it is just such like sheer like excellence that's what makes him dangerous is like he is that good at chess he is like that proven he is that amazing and that isolates him immensely and makes him like very hard to reach and then beyond that once he's like atop this like baseless massive structure there are all these other forces that will push him and basically just fuck with him which is what happened is like you could imagine um let's say like modern day like someone inside of this entire like media plex of just like everyone fucking tweeting incessantly and saying nothing someone proved themselves to be like so so much greater than and had no base but they were just so much greater than i feel like every alarm and every intelligence agency building would be going off and it would be like fuck with them like make them insane make him a nut um make him a nut and that versus like someone who has basically like at, at least has people around them who they can effectively finish things with and has some working dynamic beyond simply like the sheer power of themselves, just the ability to do something with another person that is like a, a step above, but, but both are needed. You know, this definitely. is kind of the case with Crowley, you know, that was Crowley's situation. Like he was one of the best chess players in England and he was at a point where it was like, am I going to commit to like this being what I do? Am I going to just be the best chess player? It was like, fuck that. He chose against it. And then, you know, he, he, he had also been a very, very famous mountaineer. He was a great mountain climber, but again, he's like, this is not what I want to be known for. He chose magic. I think rightfully, you know, Magic is far more interesting and will always be more interesting because of the mystery. Chess is not a mystery. The fact that a computer is good at chess is a bad thing. You can't make a computer that's good at magic. I, I feel like that's that's this is gonna inspire some like the only fan, the child of the Aeon is listening right now, and that that one sentence, you can't make a computer that's good at magic. It's like open AI magic magic um GPT three writing. I mean, if I we'll save this for the Patreon, but I would say we're we're making attempts at uh, such technologies, such horrors. I agree that, and that because it's impossible, we need to like that is what the goal is. No, like because and this is the thing: you would not be a true magician if you were satisfied by magic, and so you need to like constantly try to make the computer that's good at magic better at magic than people, so that you can be like, all right, this is worthless. On to the next thing. You know, to me, magic embodies the thing that we should all be striving for. When people are satisfied with science, it, it just greatly disappoints me because you didn't do any of this. You didn't make any discoveries. You don't actually know anything, but you're satisfied with a, a deeply meaningless, incomplete reading of the world. It takes into account none of the mystery, none of the ambiguity. Magic is all of the ambiguity, all of the nuance of reality. And if you don't want to pierce that as well, dominate that as well, and then find even greater, more immense mysteries – if you don't want to be, you know, eternally impotent in the face of Nui, in the face of this universe that is entirely beyond human knowing, 
if you are comfortable with science being it, I think you know you're you're pathetic. You're a last man. You 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 are not going to make it into the future. You don't want to. You don't want more. Bro, but we're gonna go to Mars. <laughs> I'm gonna have a cat girl made on Mars. Um, I'm gonna end it on a note of um, I went to a party a few weeks ago where I met someone who did tarot. They had some very interesting decks. And I started to talk to them about it because um, this is another tidbit of, uh, of knowledge about me, but I, I have some background in, in lay sciences, um, some, some hard sciences, and uh, they as well were similar. And I was very excited. I was like, ah, this, is, this will be interesting. I'm curious as to it's rare you beat people like this. And it, it was so underwhelming. I couldn't even get him to like, he, he, he liked the mimetic take, but everything was like left at this limit of just like, it's storytelling, but there's a scientific reason for it. The scientific reason is that we like to tell ourselves stories. And it was just like, oh, I, this is not worth it. It's not worth it. But, you know, uh, I think uh, that kind of wraps it with the ailments. What are the mass delusions? What are the... Uh, what are the, the scars that maybe aren't internet-induced but are, are induced by things well beyond uh, mere memes? Or maybe it's all memes. Let's go beyond. All right. Let's go record the Patreon one. Cool. This is, I think this is...